Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. This morning, I wanted to kind of pump the brakes a little bit on our current study. It is the same study, but after talking to a few of you this week, um, there needs to be some clarification. Because I think, and it may not be just you, but some others have the misconception about the fruits of the Spirit and how it relates to our life. And then there's also a discrepancy when it comes to the spiritual gifts that we possess. So we must understand that fruits of the Spirit is something that we all, every single one of the nine uh, attributes of these, is something that we need to be displaying in our lives. Not all of us have every spiritual gift, but we are to display every bit of the fruits of the Spirit. So with that in mind, and as I was working on the message this week, God brought an event to my mind to remind me how often I fail to manifest the fruit of the Holy Spirit's presence and work in my life. So this is confession time for your pastor. At the moment, during this event, which I'll explain in a second, um, there wasn't much love. There wasn't much joy. There wasn't much peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self control operating in my life at that time. And the event that I'm referring to is the very rare occasion that I have to go to Fresno and shop at Trader Joe's. I don't know if any of you have been to Trader Joe's before. A lot of you have and you love it. I absolutely despise the place. I absolutely despise it. This place is always crowded. There's no space to walk. Um, to put it mildly, I tend to display myself as a grump. Uh, I do not enjoy going into the store, uh, and it's pretty evident on my face, apparently. So, But I'm sure that's just a problem for me, and that all the rest of you probably don't struggle with uh, seeing the fruit of the Spirit in your life on a consistent basis. But... Just in case, that is an area where you also need to develop some maturity. This message is for you. We're going to spend some time this morning focusing on the fruit of the Spirit and how to experience it in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the fifth chapter of the book of Galatians and follow along as I start in verse 16. So same place we've been the last few weeks. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, 
sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That being said, those of you probably already know, but um, our kids and our parents are on a road trip and will be gone for the next couple weeks. And no doubt, Hannah and I will receive tons of pictures and phone calls and things of that nature to kind of show the progress of where they're going. They're, they're visiting uh, places like uh, routes of, or places of like Route 66. I believe they're going through nine different states. So it's kind of a once in a lifetime trip for the grandkids and grandparents together. And, I'm, and they're having a wonderful time, by the way. And they're, uh, this morning they went to church with Corky. Those of you who remember Corky, they're with her this morning. They're in church. Uh, they're probably done now. So they're probably watching us. So hi, Corky and everyone in Dallas. So, But they're going to be sending pictures, right? And I can tell you confidently that there's going to be pictures that have trees, bushes, plants, flowers, and all those things because my mother-in-law loves them and my son loves them. So I think it's a guarantee that we're going to have these pictures with the foliage and everything else. Now, I know they're in Texas. There's not a whole lot of that happening at the moment, but um, they will be coming into areas that will have these kinds of things. And I can confidently tell you that every tree and every plant in those pictures produces fruit that is consistent with the kind of tree or plant that it is. Every peach tree produces only peaches. Every apple tree produces only apples. Every tomato plant produces only tomatoes. So even if I don't um, know anything else about those trees or plants, I can tell you what kind they are by the fruit that they produce. And our lives are a lot like that. The fruit that is manifest in our lives will reveal what kind of tree we are. If we are a flesh tree, then our lives will show evidence that our lives produce sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealous, fits of rage, and the list goes on and on. But if we were a Holy Spirit tree, and we're going to get into the definitions of these this morning, but if we were part of the Holy Spirit tree, our lives would also uh, show evidence of that in our lives as we produce love, as we produce joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
So I want to ask you a question this morning. But before I want you to answer, I want you to think really hard about this, and I want you to listen carefully about what we're going to talk about this morning and what I'm going to share with you so that you understand the consequences of the answer before you respond. The question is this. Do you want to be a flesh tree or do you want to be a Holy Spirit tree? And you should know that these two trees are, uh, couldn't be any more different from one another if you tried. And the process by which one becomes one or the other contrasts starkly as well since it's by far the easiest to talk about being a flesh tree. So let's, let's talk about flesh trees for just a moment. What is a flesh tree? What is, what is the definition of that? Well, first of all, I would say that it is your ability to follow your own desires. We're good at that, right? We like to follow our own desires. Paul writes that those who are flesh trees gratify the desires of the flesh. Makes sense. It's in the, def- it's in the word, right? So, again, before he goes any further, it's probably a good time to define a couple of terms that Paul uses here. First, begin with the word flesh. The Greek word that Paul uses in this passage, sarks, is quite common in the New Testament. And it's used over 125 times and appears at least once in every book of the New Testament. But it has three basic meanings. First, it can refer to the physical human body. It can also refer to human efforts or work. And its primary significance, though, is that it describes our unredeemed humanness. That part of us has not yet been redeemed completely. It includes both our body and our soul, our mind and our spirit and will. And one day, we will get that glorified body that knows no sin. But until then, we still have this fleshly nature. Paul obviously uses the term flesh in this passage to keep this third meaning in mind. The verb gratify is also important here. It is a verb from a form of a word that we ran across several times Uh, way back when, when we were in James. But that was usually translated either perfect or mature. So the idea of gratifying fleshly desires is that the person carries those desires to completion. For as long as we live on this earth, every single Christ follower is going to struggle with fleshly desires because we still have the flesh nature. And occasionally, we are even going to give in to those desires and carry them to completion. The flesh tree, by contrast, engages in a lifestyle where he or she consistently gratifies those 
fleshly desires. He or she focuses on the desire to escape from the realities of life. And I think we know what the result is. Drunkenness, sorcery. Because the word sorcery is actually the word from which we get our English word pharmacy. Any pharmacists here? I worked in a pharmacy. You're a pharmacist? Wow. They're getting younger and younger every year. I worked in a pharmacy for over 15 years. But originally, it just described any kind of medicinal treatment. But by the time Paul wrote it, had come to mean the misuse of drugs, which uh, during Paul's time was often coupled with uh, the occult practices. So it was, it was very negatively looked at. In today's culture, that would certainly include practices like astrology, horoscopes, um, psychics, you know, Miss Cleo, right? Uh, channeling and, and even... Um, some meditation techniques. Um, some people uh, associate this with yoga, but it's not exactly yoga. But there are techniques that people use to meditate and they focus on very demonic things. And, and, and that's their practice. And although the phrase itself was probably coined sometime um, in the 1960s, the philosophy of if it feels good, do it certainly is much older. But if you are satisfied with being a flesh tree, that's a pretty good summary of your philosophy of life. Because you focus on what you do. You're focused on yourself. Paul consistently connects living by the flesh to what a person does. The entire concept of gratifying the desires of the flesh implies taking some action to satisfy those desires. And in verse 19, when he writes about the works of the flesh, he is again emphasizing that a central component of living by the flesh is a focus on works. In other words, what we do. And in verse 21, Paul also points out that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But you see, in addition to those direct references to doing, there is another underlying theme that actually describes the focus on doing even better. The idea of the law... Paul uses the word law 25 times in the book of Galatians. And in many of those cases, Paul was obviously referring to the moral law of the Old Testament. But he also uses that term in a more broader sense to describe all human effort. When we operate under the law, we're operating by works. Paul wrote his entire letter to the church of Galatia to address those in that church who claimed to be followers of Jesus, but who were at the same time trying to operate based on their own human efforts. And that kind of life necessarily 
focuses on the externals. It's much more concerned with outward behaviors than it is on the heart that results in those behaviors. So the flesh tree constantly tries to change his or her own behavior through their own willpower and determination. Sound familiar? This is what we do as a human nature, right? We want to fix things on our own. We don't want to be out of control. But in addition to that even, being a flesh tree means that we live a life that seeks to be comfortable. Do you seek to be comfortable? Everyone should nod their head yes. We all do, right? Of course we want to be comfortable. But God is in the business of making us very uncomfortable, but for a reason. I don't know many people that have come to Christ, at least in my experience, where the person on the other side felt very comfortable. Why is that? Why shouldn't they feel comfortable? Because it requires change, doesn't it? The person who is actually telling someone about Christ doesn't always necessarily feel comfortable. Why is that? Shouldn't they feel comfortable? Wouldn't the other person notice, boy, they're not very confident in what they're telling me. Why should I believe? Why should I trust that what they're saying is actually something that I need in my life? When we operate under the law, we're operating by works. We seek to live a life that is comfortable. But God has a funny way of sometimes putting us in very uncomfortable positions. But to his will. Now the flesh tree doesn't mind a little religion in his or her life. Especially if it doesn't interfere in the things that are part of their comfort zone. So that person tends to compartmentalize life and relegate God to a small compartment. And that only occupies an hour or two on Sunday mornings. Flesh trees view their time and their resources as belonging to them. So they, they give a little bit of their time and money to God and then they just live the rest of their lives the way that they want. They, they want just enough of the Holy Spirit so they won't feel guilty. But certainly not enough to make them uncomfortable. Now it's pretty easy to be a flesh tree. All it requires for you and I is to pretty much do as you please and take the path uh, of least resistance. And obviously there were some people in the church in Galatia who claimed to be followers of Christ who lived like that. And unfortunately the same is still true today in our modern day church. But the good news is that there is a better way. And that's how we become a Holy Spirit tree. Paul begins this passage with a command. He says, walk by the Spirit. 
And the remainder of the passage is our guide how to just do that. There are three other places in this passage where Paul describes how we are to relate to the Holy Spirit. In verse 18, he writes that Holy Spirit trees are led by the Spirit. In verse 25, he writes that Holy Spirit trees live by the Spirit. And in that same verse, he writes that Holy Spirit trees keep in step with the Spirit. The English Standard Version, I believe, does a very good job in translating this verse. But unfortunately, the King James and the NASB and many other English translations render this walk by the Spirit, which makes it sound like he is just repeating the command from verse 16. But he uses a different Greek word here, a word that originally described marching in a row like a soldier. In Greek literature, it is also described as the idea of following someone's philosophical principles. And today, we would say that it means following in someone's footsteps. But overall here, the picture should be very clear. If I want to be a Holy Spirit tree, that it means rather than following my own desires, I need to follow the desires of the Holy Spirit. I get to know Him. He, who He is, what He desires for my life. But then there's an action. I follow in those footsteps. I understand what the Holy Spirit tells me. You understand what the Holy Spirit tells you. But you got to take it one step further. You have to follow what he says. And before we leave the first aspect of being a Holy Spirit tree, let me call your attention to a couple of important details. First, all of the verbs that describe how we are to relate to the Holy Spirit, walk, be led, live, and keep in step are all present tense verbs in Greek. What does that mean? Well, it means that they are describing continuous actions. This is not a one and done thing. This is a continuous action. We are to keep on walking. We are to keep on being led, to keep on living to keep on keeping in step. In other words, this is a lifestyle, not just something that we can do once and forget about it. Secondly, the verb are led in verse 18 is a passive verb. Let me explain. That means that we are the object of the action. We are the object of the action. The emphasis is on what the Holy Spirit is doing here, not what we are doing. The focus is on the Holy Spirit, not us. So in contrast to what we saw with the flesh tree, the focus of the Holy Spirit tree is not on what we do, but rather on what the Holy Spirit is doing. 
My responsibility is to follow him as he leads. We also need to focus on who God wants us to become. The first observation is that every one of the nine aspects of the fruits listed here is not an action, but rather a character trait. And I think I can confidently say that this list is not intended to be an exhaustive list of what the fruit of the Spirit should look like. It goes beyond the words. It goes beyond what's listed. And I know we know that. But if we're not in tune with the fruits of the Spirit, these such things cannot be revealed to us. The fact that Paul arranges these character traits in three sets of three leads me to believe that he is using these nine traits to picture the character of the triune God. Since the character of God obviously can't be captured by these nine traits, the fruit of his Holy Spirit is not limited to these nine either. The second important observation is that it is the fruit, singular, of the Spirit, not the fruits, plural. Although this may seem like splitting hairs, but it is actually a very significant distinction. Far too often we have taken this list of nine attributes and viewed them as merely a list of separate character traits that is true because we don't expect all these to develop in our lives. We want to pick and choose. I have self-control, but I'm not very kind. But like I prefaced in the beginning, these are all traits that we as Christians should be exhibiting. Does it always happen? Absolutely not. Like I said, throw me in a Trader Joe's and bring out the popcorn. But this is what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. These aren't suggestions. These are commands by God. So we are to develop every single one of these character traits as we develop in our relationship to Christ. And I know that is true because there are times I've done that myself. But doing that leads to a couple of problems. First, it can lead to viewing this list as a menu from which I am free to just choose the items that appeal to me and focus on them and ignore the rest. That could be really easy. And when I do that, it inevitably leads to a second problem, which is attempting to develop these character traits by my own efforts. But if this is truly the fruit of the Spirit, then He is the only one capable of developing them and that fruit in my life. And this is certainly in sharp contrast to what we saw when Paul described the flesh trees in terms of um, what they did and not who they were. What God desires... For us is a transformed life 
That is the result of what he has done and what he is doing. And that will never occur by attempting to substitute our human efforts to adhere to the list of right and wrong for letting God make us into what he really wants us to become. So far, I think most of us would probably say that we're willing to take these steps to uh, becoming a Holy Spirit tree. The idea of following the desires of the Holy Spirit and focusing on who God wants us to become doesn't seem all that daunting. At least until we realize that committing to those first two steps also requires us to take a third step. One that is not quite as easy as one and two. Because a third step that we need to take is we as Christians need to live a radical life on this earth. Becoming a Holy Spirit tree requires a lot more than just carving a little niche out of our lives that we give to the Holy Spirit while we retain control over the rest of our lives. It means that we give control of every single area of our lives to Him. And when that happens, our lives are going to look radically different than those of the people around us. In just a moment, I'm going to suggest some ways that following the Holy Spirit as He leads us ought to radically impact the way we live our lives. So I'm not going to dwell too long on this point right now. But before we move on, let me just say that this kind of life is not only going to look radical to others, but it's also going to surprise us. Because when we begin to live like this, there are going to be times where we step back and we think, that sure wasn't me. That's not how I would normally act in this situation. And then we realize that it was the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And all we did was to keep in step with him. So let me ask you the question I asked earlier. Which tree do you want to be? Which tree do you want to be? Do you want to be the flesh tree or do you want to be the Holy Spirit tree? If you're satisfied with being a flesh tree, then you can probably just keep living life like you always have. You can just follow your own desires. Focus on the externals of what you do and live in life in which your comfort is your top priority. But if you want to be a Holy Spirit tree, you're going to have to live a radical life of faith in which you follow the desires of the Holy Spirit and focus on who God wants you to become. But what does that mean for you and I practically? Before I ask you to answer the question that I've posed, I hope you haven't answered already. We need to focus on 
one practical step I can take to become the Holy Spirit tree. And that is we need to evaluate our lives on a more consistent basis. It shouldn't be when the preacher comes and tells you you need to focus on it. Shouldn't be when your Sunday school leader tells you you need to focus on it. It should be us lead, listening to the call of the Holy Spirit leading us to do those things. Again, this is an ongoing thing. This is a an multi-occurring action here. And so we need to focus on that voice that's telling us, is this really what I need to be doing? Is this really where I need to be spending all my time and my focus on? Is this what God wants me to become? You see, right after Paul commanded the church in Rome to present their bodies to God as living sacrifices and to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of their minds, he wrote these words. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. The idea that as followers of Christ, we must constantly be making sober and honest evaluations of how well we are following Jesus. And the same is true when it comes to how well we're following the Holy Spirit. And because we still have that flesh nature, there are going to be times when we give in and gratify our own desires rather than those of the Holy Spirit. As disciples of Jesus Christ, all of us are works in progress. We are works in progress who will never be able to follow the Holy Spirit completely 100% of the time. And the Apostle Paul certainly understood that. Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 3. It's okay to be a work in progress. It's okay because... We know that we can't use that idea as an excuse for our sin. If we are a work in progress, there has to be some progress. The passage we've looked at this morning is a great tool to use to evaluate where you're at when it, become, when it, when it comes to being that Holy Spirit tree. If I am a Holy Spirit tree, then the works of the flesh ought to become less and less a part of my life. And the character that is 
evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit ought to become more and more evident in my life. But just like with anything, following the Holy Spirit takes one step at a time. One step at a time. When I look at this passage, the idea of becoming a Holy Spirit tree can be overwhelming. You can see how far you fall short from what uh, your life should look like. And if you try to get there all at once, then you're probably going to fail. I love carbs. How about you? I love carbs. Occasionally I like sweets. But I know that eating too many of them, especially those simple carbs that I love the most, especially the ones that aren't good for me, but if I just try to go cold turkey and try not to eat those things, it's nearly impossible. And I think you know what I'm talking about. So when I do finally give in to my urges and grab that cookie or candy bar or bag of popcorn or... I'm getting hungry. I better stop. <laughs> All those things. I find that I crave and eat even more of those things. So what I have to do is to deal with each craving as it comes up. And if I have the discipline to not give in and gratify my fleshly desires and to eat something that is healthier instead, I can usually handle that craving. And as I continue to do that time after time after time, what I find is that my body begins to crave those unhealthy foods less and less. I found that following the Holy Spirit like that is much more manageable for me. As the Holy Spirit takes a step, I just follow that single step. And then I watch and see what God does. And then I take another step and do the same thing. And over time, as I do that, it becomes easier and easier to follow his lead. And the less and less the things of this world are attractive to me. That's tough because Snickers look very appetizing. I know. They're terrible. So that means that throughout the day, I need to continually ask. And you need to continually ask. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do now? What do you want me to do now? That's where all this comes in. The first way I can understand what the Holy Spirit wants me to do is through God's Word. It is through God's Word. So in each situation, I ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind any scripture that might apply to that situation. But we also need to be careful there, don't we? That's how we take Scripture out of context. So you need to be very careful. While we're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us, don't let your own desires to validate what you're doing by going to the Word of God and saying, oh, that, that says that, so that must be okay. 
be careful. Be very careful. The fruit of the Spirit is reflected through our character and how I can exhibit that character in those situations. And our goal is to do that in every area of our lives. So let's imagine what our lives might look like if we did that. Suppose you get up in the morning and you eat breakfast and you head off to work. And along the way, someone cuts you off in traffic or they drive too slowly, which causes you to hit a red light. Which, inevitably, is probably going to make you late for work. So you ask the Holy Spirit to help you follow him. And he suggests some scriptures about how to deal with your enemies. And he reminds you that he is patient, kind, and gentle. So instead of honking the horn and telling the guy he's number one, you remain calm and just thank God that he kept you safe. My wife is staring at me. She's like, take your own advice, buddy. (laughs) I know. Maybe if you're spiritual, you can even pray for that person. So you get on to work only to find out that one of your fellow employees has gone behind your back and tells your boss things about you that aren't true. So again, you ask the Holy Spirit what step you should take. And again, he brings you to remembrance of some scripture verses that guide you in dealing with that situation. Perhaps he even um, reminds you how Jesus was falsely accused and how he dealt with those accusations. So you use those thoughts to help you deal with the situation in a biblical manner. You head to lunch now and the server completely messes up your order. So they have to remake your food and you end up getting back to work late after lunch. So you ask the Holy Spirit how he wants you to treat the server and how to deal with your boss when you get back to work late. And again, he suggests scriptures that apply to the situation and reminds you of his character. On your way home from work, guess what? That same guy cuts you off in traffic again. The Holy Spirit is testing you to see if you've learned anything that morning. You see, every moment of every day is an opportunity to follow the Holy Spirit step by step and to become that Holy Spirit tree. Most of the time, it's far easier just to be that flesh tree and do what you want. But now that you have the big picture and why we're in the study of the fruits of the Spirit, I'm not trying to bring you back to Sunday school when you were in third grade. It's to come to the understanding to know that we are commanded to follow these character traits. It should be who we are. But God is saying you don't have to change overnight. This is a step-by-step process. Whether you're a new Christian or a seasoned 
Christian. This is what we're to follow. This is not like a spiritual gift where some people are gifted to do certain things and others are not. We should all have our names under these nine attributes. This is not a pick and choose thing. And that's what I wanted to clarify this morning as we get into these in later weeks. That this applies to all of us. So the question becomes again, which tree do you want to be? Do you want to be the flesh tree? Or do you want to be the Holy Spirit tree? God is calling every single one of us to respond to his word by answering that question. So you're going to get some time this morning to pray and seek God's leading here. Let me suggest a couple of things that you might want to pray about during this time. First, we need to ask God to reveal what kind of tree you are right now. What kind of tree are you right now? And what kind of tree he wants you to become? Have you ever asked? What do you want me to become? And secondly, ask God to help you follow the Holy Spirit one step at a time in every area of your life. So we need to answer the question, which tree do we want to be? And we ask God what he wants you to become. Ultimately, that's where we need to be led. Certainly, God may have suggested some other things you may need to pray about during this time. Perhaps he has revealed some sin you need to confess. Perhaps he's revealed some relationship in your life that needs restoration and wants you to seek another person's forgiveness and reconcile with that person. Whatever it may be, let's take it to God this morning. We'll allow him to take the steps and then we can follow. Because that's what we're called to do, right? We're to follow Christ. So as Dave comes, plays in our benediction this morning, I want you to pray right where you're sitting. And I want you to pray about what you want to be. Where do you think you are? And ask God, what do you want me to become? And when you've gotten to a place where you have a pretty good idea, take those things step by step, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you where he wants you to be. Dave. Juan, would you put up, you are a holy God, please? You are a holy God, and all-consuming fire. Your own majesty, bright shining as the sun. You 
pray and dismiss. We have another couple that comes to us seeking membership in the church. I'm going to ask that Dwayne and Amy McCoy come and join me. And they join us from serving um, Calvary Southern Baptist Church in Merced for many, many years. And Dwayne's been involved within the association for many, many years. So I told him he had to come do a backflip this morning for fun. No. Uh, They come seeking membership through their uh, statement and by letter. What say you? All in favor? Opposed, no? All right. So after we pray, please welcome Dwayne and Amy into our church family and how grateful we are that they're here. And I know they're very mission-minded, so we're looking forward to working with them and Uh, reactivating missions within our church. So we look forward to seeing what God has in store with that. Amen. Amen. Let us pray this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love and your patience with us. Lord, we are to demonstrate to the world what it is to be a Christian and to uh, exhibit that in our lives through our passions, through our Um, dealings with people. And Lord, sometimes we don't get that right. We don't act the way we should. We don't say the things we should. But Lord, as you said, we are to follow. 
We are to follow by your Holy Spirit. And it's not an overnight thing. This is a step-by-step process. Lord, you don't make things hard on us. We do that on our own. Help us to trust in you. And thank you so much for your love and for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity to be here, to be a part of this church and to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. We love you. And it's in your name and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Have a great day, Lord. Please come welcome Dwayne and Amy. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.